It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardtlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Good morning and welcome to Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. This is your co-host, Christiana Villegas. And I'm Todd Marquardt, your host. Decisions about your future can be difficult, but at Falcon Bank, their trust department can make planning for tomorrow a positive experience. From estate planning and administration of trust to investment management, including real estate and mineral management, Falcon Bank offers solutions with an honest evaluation of what you need. Call Falcon Bank at 210-489-4150 to discuss how they may be of service to you. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law. But because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, Material discussed here is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Before we get started talking about the law, Let's begin with prayer. Absolutely. Dear God, thank you for this day and for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing or failing to do your will. Please help Kevin Frazier, Christiana, and me give good information to the listeners about hunting regulations today. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people for our own good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, before you change this channel, this is not a rerun. This is a new episode that is pre-recorded, given <laughs> we will be back eventually on the air soon. But we're coming back to you today with Game Warden Kevin Frazier to help us understand what's different with the hunting season now that we're having to deal with COVID-19. Well, let's get started with uh, your background uh, Mr. Frazier, will you tell us uh, about your education and training? Well, I uh, have a uh, bachelor's degree in uh, human services and psychology, and uh, I've been a game warden almost 19 years, and uh, I'm currently stationed in Frio County, Texas. So after you graduate from college, uh, what's the next step to becoming a game warden? Well, Becoming a game warden is very difficult. Um, we, it's not uncommon for us to have upwards of 2,000 people apply for, you know, 30 or 40 jobs. And we don't always have an academy every year, but we have been the last couple of years having, having back-to-back academies. But uh, just a lot of uh, 
you know, a lot of knowledge in, in the law, a lot of knowledge in in the outdoors and hunting and fishing and, um, you know, just the will to, to want to go out and help people and, and try to make a difference in people's lives. You're considered to be law enforcement, sort of like a police officer, right? Oh, yeah. We are Texas peace officers, and uh, we have to uh, get our uh, TCOL license just like any other police officer in the state of Texas, you know, like SAPD or or any county sheriff or, or police uh, PD officer in, in the state. Uh, we have to go through the same uh, classes uh, for that license, but then other than that, we have to also, you know, learn all the hunting and fishing laws, the the, uh, the the Water Safety Act, and there's just so many different things. And 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 we, unlike a, a police officer, maybe in the city, like in San Antonio, where a, a, a San Antonio police officer, his jurisdiction is the city. Our jurisdiction is the whole state of Texas, all 254 counties. Oh wow! So whereas a, a city officer might not um, chase somebody into a different county um, if if you're investigating um, wrongdoing in one county you can you can just keep going until you find your guy right oh yeah sure our um, you know I've, I've had many cases take me you know outside of the county uh, and and it's not uncommon for some of our cases to take us outside of the state if not outside of the country so you're more like a, a state officer then? Yeah, we're state police officers. Okay. And what made you so passionate enough that you would go through all this training and and do this for so many years? When I was younger, I was in the Boy Scouts, and my Boy Scout master was a game warden. And everywhere that you know he went, people knew him. They knew what he did. Um, they respected him. Even though they didn't like him, they respected him. And, and, you know, we'd see him at the schools. He'd come to school every year and, and, and give programs. We'd see him on TV. We'd see him, you know, it seems like everywhere I looked, he was there. And, and me being in the Boy Scouts was was a blessing because, um, you know, he had the keys to lots of ranches, so we got to hunt and fish and, and camp out in some of the really cool places of the county because of all the contacts that he had. And uh, just knowing everything that he did and, and, and how he did it and why he did it, really uh, set the stage for me to, to, to be where I am today. What would you say the the mission of uh, game wardens are? Well, basically, it's just to conserve in, uh, uh, the natural and cultural resources of Texas and to provide hunting and fishing and outdoor opportunities, uh, you know, for, for our generations now and future generations. And that's really what it's all about. It's making sure that, that you know, our kids and their grandkids are going to have be able to enjoy the, the the outdoors like like we are right now. Last time we interviewed you, one of the things that you wanted to talk about a lot was safety. What what is it um, this this time of year that you think is important for people to know in order to remain safe? Well, right now we're coming into the dove season, and uh, firearm safety is. Very, very important. Um, uh, you know, handling your firearms correctly. You know, keeping keeping that thing pointed in a safe direction. Keeping them, uh, you know, unloaded when you're not using them. Just a few months ago, I was telling a story uh, to a um, landowner about 
small properties, people buying little three and four and five acre places, and and they're shooting high powered rifles on those on those places. In about 41 minutes after I told that story, three miles down the road, I got a phone call, and two individuals were on a, like a three-acre piece of property, target shooting pistols, and they shot across the property line and hit a lady in the chest. Oh, no. Uh, you know, it was actually from one county to another county because it was on the county line. But uh, I don't think I don't think she died. But she she had a pretty bad couple days there. Oh goodness! So that's just one thing is not you know knowing where your, you know where your shots are going, having a backdrop a backstop. They didn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, over the years I've worked several hunting accidents, especially with dove hunting people. Uh, you know, people walking around with with their firearms not you know loaded and not on safe and. They'll fall down or, or set the gun down, and it'll fall down and go off and shoot somebody. And that happens quite a bit. Plus, dove hunters are known to drink alcohol, some of them, uh, whenever they dove hunt, and that, that really uh, impedes your decision-making as well. So it's not against the law to have alcohol but um, while you're drinking or while you're hunting, but it's a good idea not to do it so it doesn't impair your your judgment. So there's some danger of people following Hollywood's examples that you just line up a couple of tin cans on a fence and you go ahead shoot and nothing bad's going to happen. There's actual real-life repercussions that if it's not a person, then some other property or living thing might get in the way of that bullet because it keeps going. No, that's true. I mean, and you're responsible for every bullet that comes out of the gun. You're responsible and liable for that. And uh, even if it was an accident, you know, not only you're looking at, at you know, uh, what would be like a trespass by projectile Class C misdemeanor, you could be looking at, at a deadly conduct charge or manslaughter. Yeah, pretty serious. Yeah. So you want to remain safe while you're doing that. Since we're talking about dove hunting, uh, a guy I know uh, wanted me to ask, uh, do you know why uh, Texas limits – the number of shells that you can keep in your shotgun when you're bird hunting that is a that is actually a federal law oh and um the uh, the uh, u.s fish and wildlife actually um the, the federal game wardens and 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 their uh, agency uh limits those um those shells and so we actually enforce that as well because it's it's my it's a migratory game bird law and we do enforce the migratory game bird laws uh, with them, so there's just you know there's very few Texas game wardens, but there's there's even fewer uh, you know, uh, fish and wildlife uh, agents. So we kind of work together a lot during the uh, the dove seasons and enforce those laws. Yeah, I forgot about that. You have to get an additional HIP certification if you want to dove hunt. Yeah, harvest implementation program, and all that is is whenever you buy a license at any vendor like a Walmart, H E B, or any gun store. Uh, they should and they have to ask you how many you know birds you you harvested, how many doves, how many ducks, and uh, it's just kind of a way for our biologists to try to gather a number around, kind of a round number to see, you know, how much resource is being taken. It's it's not exact. I always feel like somebody's going to take my man card. When I tell them that I got no dove last season. <laughs> well, you know. You know, I mean, it's very common for hunters to lie as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just try harder next season. That's right. That's right. Don't drink. Maybe you'll 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 hit the have a better chance. Of yeah, get up, the, get up on time. Get out of bed. That's and, right. 
it's a good thing to want to be able to take part in these kind of activities because a lot of people are getting shut in right now. So when we come back from this break, we want to ask you if you've noticed any difference in how much public traffic is out there in the wild. Are they hunting in season? Is is there a way for them to know what animal they should not be hunting? Like, is there a sign that says no rabbit season, no duck season? Yeah. But sure. stay tuned after this commercial. We'll be right back on Talk Law Radio. You've heard him on Talk Law Radio. Now work with his firm yourself. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trusts, and powers of attorney. Want to have a say on who will get your money and assets when you die instead of leaving it up to a judge? Then you need a proper estate plan in place, and Marquardt Law Firm can help you do just that. It can also develop a strategy for your long-term care financing and help maneuver the complicated Medicaid process for your family. Call them today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. Call 210-530-4278. Again, that's 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. MarquardtLawFirm.com. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. I'm your co-host, Christiana Villegas, and we're here with Game Warden Kevin Frazier of Frio County, answering our questions about what changes are going on in hunting right now. Have you noticed there been any troubles with people hunting animals that are not in season or having to adjust their hunting plans? Well, whenever this COVID uh, thing kind of started, we were uh, starting turkey season. And uh, some of the outfitters that I have out in Frio County, the Pearsall, Dilly area, they saw a dramatic um, difference in the amount of people that were coming to hunt from out of town Uh, they had a lot of cancellations Uh, some of them didn't even have anybody come and hunt so that was a very uh, kind of a very strange thing you know going out looking for turkey hunters and couldn't hardly even find any (laughs) was that was that during march (laughs) yes yes during the march time um and then uh yeah I've, i've been talking to some of the 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 dove guys we have several big outfitters for dove hunting and uh you know they're really not sure you know and i'm not either I'm, i don't know what to expect i don't know if you know fewer people will come out because they're, they're still unsure about the, the the covid i don't know if more people are going to come out because they've been trapped in the house for the last four or five months um it's just really hard to say um a lot of these outfitters have big ranches and they put people up in these houses and bunk houses and so you can definitely see where that's going to be a problem, um, you know, with, with spreading this disease. If you put 20 or 30 people in a house like they do every weekend uh, or, you know, when you have two or three hunters and a hundred hunters in a field hunting uh, and then getting together and cleaning birds and being around each other. I mean, there's definitely a, um, a chance of, of, of spreading uh, the disease so but there's no new regulations that you have to enforce no no just we just you know of course we're going to be very cognitive of of, of of how we do our business and how we we approach people and talk to people and of course you know we're using masks and we're following all the same guidelines that that the governor has put out so we're doing the exact same thing that everybody else is doing and just trying to be careful and in what we do, none of the laws have changed. None of the seasons have changed. You know, everything's the same. Uh, 
you know, we just just need to do our business a little more carefully. So going back on that of the seasons aren't changing and that you mentioned turkey season is actually in March for anyone who's worried that, oh, there's going to be a meat shortage in the stores of various animal products. We need to know that if they decide to go and get their own turkey for Thanksgiving, <laughs> they lost their chance in March. <laughs> well, you know, let, you know, let's talk about this, too, is we've actually when this all began, we had and I had several calls about people asking if uh, we were going to lift you know, the season or change the season or open another season for deer hunting, you know, you know, maybe in April or May so people can go out and, and, and harvest some animals. But, of course, we did not. Uh, saw a little bit of, you know, some counties did and some counties didn't. Saw a little bit of a pickup in, in maybe some illegal hunting oh. activity, road hunting, trespassing, stuff like that. But, you know, it wasn't it wasn't really a high amount. It was just maybe a little bit more. In some areas, depending on more of the rural areas and, and you know, just people just getting out of the house, just wanting to do something. And then, you know, they see an animal on the road and, and they decide to shoot it. So, Oh, goodness. Yeah. So just uh, drive-by hunting is not fully encouraged? No, no. Well, it's against the law to okay. hunt, hunt from a public road. Uh, that's, that's a closed season. There's no open season on a public road. So, You know, most of the cases that I hear of, where somebody's hunting from a public road, they're also ending up with a DWI. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, because you know. they're hunting and drinking and driving all at the same time, and that's not what you're supposed to do. Well, you know, and these things happen all the time. Um, I've had several cases where I've pulled somebody over, even if they weren't hunting, just late at night, maybe on a back road, they were looking, looking for animals, or maybe they were just getting out of the house. One time I, I stopped a guy had a fight with his wife and he just needed to get out of the house at two o'clock in the morning and drive the back roads but he was very intoxicated so he i arrested him for dwi so for people who actually want to be cautious and make sure that they're following these regulations what is the website that you want people to visit to get this reliable information they can go and uh, they can just google the texas parks and wildlife department and it'll take them to our our main website and uh it you know they can look up a number of different things all the hunting seasons the laws um the counties the different different aspects of that um also um they can also download the outdoor annual app on their smartphone and they'll be able to constantly go and 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 review the laws and regulations at any time. So whether you're an Apple user or an Android user you should be able to look up the outdoors the outdoor annual. The app, yes. Outdoor app. annual app. Yes. Or Google the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department and get caught up on what season you're in. If you want to plan an outing because you've been cooped up in your house, we all understand it. And being outdoors is going to be a lot more helpful than being crammed into one place with other people. But make sure that you're following these regulations. The website's going to provide some good information, too, about people that go to parks, state parks. They've, you know, a lot of our state parks were closed for a long time. So mm -hmm. they're doing the state parks division. They're doing some different things right now too. So if you're a avid state park person, uh, your your best information is going to be on that website to find out what parks are open, and and what they're allowing and what they're not allowing. Okay. 
Okay, great. So there's a season for every animal and seasons that you they're not going to be available for hunting. Is there a season to register as a gun owner or hunting license? Or is that annual? Can you register any time? Well, you can, you can purchase a hunting or fishing license at any time, and there's a myriad of different options. Um, uh, typically, most people buy their licenses, you know, here, starting August 15th, you can buy your new license for the whole year through August 31st uh, of the following year. So starting August 15th, you can buy your, your license, and it'll be good until August 31st of 2021. Or you can buy temporary, you know, one day, three day, five day. There's, Like I said, there's so many different options. You know, it confuses me most of the time, so that's why we provide – that information in the app and on the website as well. I always get the super combo yes. because that allows you to hunt all year and you can hunt uh, a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. So the But the, there's a couple of extras that I get. I get the, the HIP certification for migratory mm-hmm. birds, and, and sometimes I'll get the duck stamp. Yes. I'm not really a duck hunter, but... If I see a duck, <laughs> I might want to take it <laughs> sure, home. Sure, sure, and then you'll and then you'll have. It's better to have the endorsement, you know, and and not need it than 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 not have it and need it. So. Right, because then you're just looking at this duck and thinking, man, I wish I had my license. <laughs> sure, exactly. Yeah. Have Have you had any troubles of families or friends that meet up and only one person has a hunting license, thinking it's going to blanket their entire party? Had a very very. Uh, interesting situation last season had a uh, had a young man he was actually a you know a kid shot a really nice deer and um, anyway he did not have a license at all and he Ooh. actually won the youth division of a big oh. contest and so that was something that I had to deal with and I you know we had to of course you know take the deer and 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 and, and write a citation but um, yeah, um, another situation where I went to a deer camp and there was there was five or six people from out of state. I want to say Mississippi, maybe, and uh, there was four deer hanging uh, in that camp, and they all had the same uh, tag. That the one person had all four of his tags mm-hmm. on there, and when everybody came into camp, they told me that not, that only one guy hunted. But, uh, in fact, uh, another – all of them had hunted, and I finally, after a couple hours, figured it all out and ended up uh, – they all hunted. And so I ended up taking all the deer but one and wrote tickets uh, to everybody. And so uh, they, all, they all hunted under that one license is what they did. And the penalty is not just going to be the citation – but uh, there's restitution on some deer where you, you mm-hmm. have to pay the state of Texas for the value of that deer. Yeah, right? most all game animals are going to have a civil restitution that's going to be applied to to those citations, and some of those get up in the tens of thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. If it's know. a big buck or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's not uncommon to have a restitution of thirteen, fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars on a big deer. You know, your, your fine might be you know three hundred dollars from the judge, but you're going to have a you could have a ten or twelve thousand dollar restitution fee from the state, and they might lose their their shotgun or something like that. They might lose their firearm. They could lose the vehicle they used. Um, wow. Yeah. So, 
I'm sure that a lot of veteran hunters who are used to hearing these kinds of regulations, it's just playing in the back of their head, but this information is more useful for people who don't have a hunting license, aren't used to knowing what's in season, and the restitution charge, is that only if they violate that hunting regulation, or is there a fee that people have to pay every time that they shoot something, even if they have a license and they're hunting in season? No, just uh, the restitution is just if you illegally take a game animal, uh, you know, without a license or any other illegal means of taking it. Any other fees, you know, other than your license that you buy, uh, the only other fees you might be paying is if you're paying a landowner, you know, to to lease this property. That's Or to process the deer or, or to, to process the deer get the, the yeah. trophy sure the taxidermist all that yeah it's not it's not a cheap hobby i would just like to voice this that there's a uh, going to be a couple of jokesters out there that say you know rules are meant to be broken and that that could be your perspective but you better expect that your wallet's about to get broken as yeah, well <laughs> they're going to be in trouble and they're not going to be happy yeah the rules are made to be broken and that's why i have a job exactly <laughs> So we thank you for being available. We're going to take a bit of a longer break. Stay tuned after this commercial when we continue asking Game Warden Frazier about what to expect in the hunting seasons. Here on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt. We'll be back after this commercial. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. I'm your co-host, Christiana Villegas, and we're here with Game Warden Kevin Frazier of Rio County. Frio County, I'm so sorry about that. I was, <laughs> But there is a Rio nearby the river that's in that area. Have you noticed any changes of people trespassing in those areas, doing any kind of illegal activities, whether it's uh, not being on the property when they should be or catching certain types of fish you know right now with everything going on you know i've seen a, an influx of of people going down and fishing in that part of the river um down near dilly um and people are just trying to get out and find places to go where there's not anybody but but you know I, there's what i call the normal people i always usually see in these places but lately i've been seeing some some new faces and different people and and so just, you know, making sure that they're up, you know, on some of the laws. Some of the people that I check, you know, maybe haven't fished or done anything recreationally as far as hunting or fishing in, in many, many years. Uh, and now they're just looking for a way out of the house and thought, hey, this is a good time to go fish, but they don't buy the license. Or, so, you know, we've been, you, you know, we've been a little lenient on some of those things and, you know, but now's a good opportunity for the listeners to get a heads up and you know you still need a license you still need to obey the the seasons and all the regulations just like you did last year yeah the uh, the department hasn't you know changed any of the rules or regulations or the seasons so you still need to to do what you've always done and uh you shouldn't you know find yourself in any problem at all so i moved here from out west and I didn't know that you needed to have a fishing license if you're going to be catching any fish here in Texas. 
um, where I grew up in Baldwin Park, they had a recreational area that was the Santa Fe Dam, and we went fishing. My brother caught a catfish, but we didn't need to register for a license. Just make sure you had the right gear and stay on the shore. And Santa Monica Pier, anybody who visited out there as well, there was a designated area to do fishing, and the mm-hmm. only regulation they had was don't do an overhook. You have to do, like, a side cast or else you'll catch on to somebody. Yeah. The only thing I ever caught in my life was an anchovy that got swiped up by a seagull. So um, there's a lot more valuable water life, though, that's in the rivers that we have to make sure people are respecting. What what issues have you been finding of people who've been doing their illegal fishing? Well, I mean, usually, you know, the most common is not having a license. Um, you know, I came across somebody yesterday. They had two young kids, and it was, you know, a mom and dad, a couple of young kids. And he told me, well, you know, I just come out here to take my kids fishing, but the kids were off running around the brush, and the two adults were fishing. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I see that very commonly where the, the, the parents use the kids as their pawns to say that, hey, I'm taking the kids fishing, but, but the kids have no interest in it at all. <laughs> so I see that a lot. Um, and just, you know, but it's so easy just for them to buy the fishing license. It is, because the kids don't need one until they turn 17. So, you know, I have no problem, like I told them yesterday, I have no problem with them assisting the kids and helping the kids. But you can't just be fishing there and the kid be 100 yards away up in a tree somewhere. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you know everybody has their own ways of trying to get around the laws, but, you know. There ain't much that I haven't seen in almost 20 years. So, it, if, if there's a kid that, say they're in the bay, and, and the kid catches a fish, but his dad's on the other end of the boat, um, and, and the guide on the boat just takes the fish and puts it in the bucket, uh, who's going to get the citation for that? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you know, typically it's going to be the person who caught the fish. And, and, you know, it depends on what the violation is, too. Is it an undersized fish? You know, are they over the bag limit? Do they not have a license? But typically it's going to be the, the So it angler. could be a child? It could be a child, but most of the time in that situation we usually cite the parents because they are criminally responsible mm-hmm. for, for their, the minor. So a lot of times the, the, uh, the parent will get the ticket. If, so in that hypothetical, I said the parent was on the other end of the boat he shouldn't have been on the other end of the boat he should have been with with the child supervising what fish he was pulling out of the water well yeah because you know it's reasonable to think that you know sitting on the age of the kid eight ten eleven year old kid there's a good chance he's not going to know the the laws but the parent you know is the legal guardian and and of course should should be aware and know all the laws before they go out there and be and, responsible. And with fish, it's it's sort of like you're hunting blind. You you don't really know what you're going to get until you pull it out of the water. Yeah. So you kind of have to have a knowledge of the fish that are going to be in in the water that you're fishing, right? Oh yeah, no. I mean, saltwater fishing is is a lot like that because there's just so many different species of fish, and and so the saltwater. Um, thing is a lot more difficult because there's more laws 
and, and there's just more species that are involved. You have so, to know what they look like. Know what they look like. How, like, how long or how big it mm-hmm. is. Sure. So are there any signs that are up in these hunting areas and fishing areas saying, okay, this is what's in season and this is in the do not touch I area? I think it's so funny that you bring <laughs> that up because I used to watch Looney Tunes too. And Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd and Daffy Duck, there was always a sign on the tree (laughs) that said rabbit season or duck season. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, not really. I mean. You have to have the annual guide. Yeah, you have to have, you have to have the, you know, get on the website and look up. You know, you're responsible for knowing the laws, just like when you, when you have a driver's license. Right. You, you are responsible to know all of the, the, the laws on the highway. And it's the same thing with hunting when you go out in the woods. Um, you have to know the seasons. You have to know the limits. You have to know, you know, what you're doing. And that's why I like bringing you back. Because even for somebody that's hunted year after year, it's a good reminder uh, to, you know, remind you of these things and make sure you get your license uh, and you know, you have to plan on that before you leave the house uh, so that, you know, you don't forget the getting the license and you drive 300 miles and, and then yeah. think, oh, I've got to go back now. Well, there's a lot of, the, you know, there's a lot of rules and a lot of regulations, a lot of seasons. You know, it's hard for me to, to remember it, much less, you know, because I, you know, we go from one season to the next to the next and some hunters, some fishermen, they maybe only hunt one season, and then they don't do anything else. Mm-hmm. So they only have to be responsible for knowing one little thing. And and things change so much, and laws change so much that uh, you know, you know, it's hard to stay on top of that, even as the game warden, even as the person who enforces them. So, but we provide all the information, so there's really no excuse to not know. Ignorance can only get you so far, and even then, it's not going to help a whole lot. Well, what they used to tell us in law school is uh, ignorance is no excuse. So you're hearing it here and now. If you have an opportunity to use a computer, use your phone, use a smartphone and download the app, Google the Texas Park and Wildlife, that's tpwd.texas.gov, to find what's in season, what license do you need to get before you go out there and start capturing animals. And if you have a smartphone, use the Outdoor Annual app. Make sure that you're following these regulations so that way the only thing you're paying for is your license and the equipment and not a citation or restitution charges. And if you don't have a smartphone, then talk to your your child or grandchild and get them to print some of those regulations off because uh, we don't want anybody to get in trouble for not knowing. If you have a basic flip phone even, they should be able to still receive pictures. So there's such a thing as taking a screenshot. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of laws that are changing, there's a lot of being inside these cities that we're having these regulations of limiting how many people are crowding around one another in events. Being outdoors, I can imagine that there's a lot more room to be able to social distance while you're hunting or fishing in groups. But are you finding anybody littering PPE products like gloves, masks, water bottles, 
leftover hand sanitizers? Has there been an increase of littering? I've seen a little bit of it, but, but you know, talking about being in groups, uh, hunters and per se, they can, they can kind of spread out. But one of the things that I've seen that, that I thought, you know, could pose a pretty big problem in the situation we're in right now is being on the lake and checking a pontoon boat with 22 people in it. You know, how, how, how many people can you get in a boat and how close are you going to be? Right. I mean, you're literally almost sitting on top of each other. Or, or I've seen party boats with 40, 50 people, 50 people on them. So not you know, a good idea. Not a good idea. And so, you know, each of those situations, we've had to be very careful in, in how we approach that. We still have to do our job and enforce the water safety. I check life jackets. Uh, so, you know, it just not only are they putting themselves in danger, but of spreading uh, the disease, but they're also putting us in danger by having to go deal with them. Yeah. But, Christiana, you know, as I walk my dog, I have noticed more litter. And it's it's usually a mask. Yeah. I see lots of disposable masks. I see even cloth masks. You know, it, it falls out of your pocket or it falls out of the car. So I have seen that just in my own neighborhood. One of my disappointing things is that when I pass by a bus stop and there's a trash can at that bus stop and then two feet away there's a disposable mask. And it's like, really? You couldn't make it to the trash can? Well, that's going to happen (laughs) no matter what's going on with the society. I anticipate more of what you've asked as far as more PPE and more litter. I I do anticipate that uh, for sure. What I'm going to be looking for uh, this deer season is I want to see the white tail that's wearing a mask. <laughs> well, I've seen him wearing leashes before. So, I mean, you know, it's, it, you never know. I mean, I'm, I'm not putting it past anybody. <laughs> so speaking of deer season, why don't we talk about that when we come back from our break? Absolutely. So stay tuned here on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. We'll be right back. You've heard him on Talk Law Radio. Now work with his firm yourself. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trusts, and powers of attorney. Want to have a say on who will get your money and assets when you die instead of leaving it up to a judge? Then you need a proper estate plan in place, and Marquardt Law Firm can help you do just that. They can also develop a strategy for your long-term care financing and help maneuver the complicated Medicaid process for your family. Call them today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. Call 210-530-4278. Again, that's 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. MarquardtLawFirm.com. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. I'm your co-host, Christiana Viegas, and with us through this episode, we've been interviewing Game Warden Kevin Frazier of the Frio County, helping us understand what the current regulations are for hunting seasons, what's been changing since people have been having to adapt to the pandemic, trespassing where they shouldn't be, and now what to expect in the seasons to come. Well, we talked about uh, dove season. We talked about fishing. Now I'd like to talk about deer season because it's coming up in a few months. Um, when when people are hunting deer, um, they might run into or, or 
see other animals in the area. I had heard that there was there were some sightings of black bears. Have you heard that? Yeah, I actually got a, a video from some hunters uh, that I know down in the Laredo area last year, and they were sitting in their deer blind, and sure enough, they had a small black bear come into the uh, come into the sendero there, and and they watched it for a few minutes, and then it walked off, and then they ended up shooting a deer, and the, the bear came back out to kind of investigate the deer, and finally walked off. But uh, I told them, by no means, do not shoot the black bear. That's that is against the law. It's a protected animal. And so that's important. If you see a black bear, uh, make sure that you, you don't shoot it because if it's a small one, it might sort of resemble a hog mm-hmm. depending on what time of day it is. And that just goes back to what we were saying. You're responsible for that bullet. And if you accidentally shoot a black bear, you're going to be in trouble. So even if the black bear starts attacking the downed animal and is trying to get an opportunistic lunch, you can't you can't chase it away. It's like you know, it's just nature doing its, its course. Yeah, no. I mean, about the only way you're going to be justified is if it's attacking you, and and you're going to have to prove that. You know, and it's going to be a good story anyway to sure. tell. I would get a picture or video of it and definitely report it because our biologists do do want to know that and um it's 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 not uncommon for them in certain years to to migrate from mexico so you might have a chance to go viral if you catch a video like that just if it ever happens on hunting but have you have and you tag uh, hashtag talk law radio exactly <laughs> <laughs> we'd like to see your hunting videos that are following regulations of course have you ever found anybody violating something and have to go after them from something they posted on social media yeah i've I've had several uh occasions where someone posted a deer that they shot and you know they either didn't have a license or they they end up poaching it on someone else's property and they actually said that you know or or they would say something like hey had a great night hunt last night on the road you know well that that you know that's pretty easy to to figure out and investigate um, yeah, social media is, is, is a very good tool uh, for us to uh, to make make cases. So. Have you ever had to relocate an animal? Yeah, you know, I've, I've relocated, I can't tell you how many, you know, hawks and owls and um, um, taking them, you know, to vets, you know, getting them fixed up. A lot of them are in, get injured. Um you know, we had a one of the recent hurricanes. We uh, we had out in East Texas. We had some alligators. You know, kind of, you know, roaming around the neighborhoods. Got displaced with the hurricane, and so, you know, we had to go out and uh, assist, you know, the other wardens to to get them, you know, relocated away from civilization as as best as possible. So even though your area is uh, Frio County, you. You can go help anybody that needs it. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, as as peace officers, and, and you know, we're also, uh, many of us are trained in search and rescue and, of course, boat rescues. And, uh, you know, we all, most of us have boats and, and have that equipment. So when the hurricanes and the flooding comes, uh, you know, we we do respond anywhere in the state and and try to provide those those services. What's the most difficult animal you've had to help relocate? Oh, 
you know, probably the alligator. That's not <laughs> something you play with, you know, every day. Not like, you know, I've caught hundreds of snakes, uh-huh. you know, but I don't typically run across alligators. So, so I would say that probably. You know, I had a guy who had a small alligator in his house, you know, in a little tub he was he was keeping. So that was pretty easy, you know, handling a foot and a half long alligator is a lot different than trying to handle an eight or nine foot alligator oh yeah i'd be scared of that one speaking of snakes have you ever had any issues with people hunting them so that way they can make a new belt i mean you know they do do that uh you know they have a lot of uh and i think they still do they have some contests where people go out and they hunt snakes and and so you know there's certain laws you know you have to abide by by that you know as far as you know, having the proper permits for them and, and this and that. But it is it is common for people to do that. So if you're wondering what kind of animal do you want to go after, what season is best for you to participate in that, you can visit the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. Get caught up on all of their regulations. If you have someone who doesn't have a computer, do them a favor, print it out, take a screenshot, or... If you have a smartphone, download that Outdoor Annual app. This might be a surprise question to you. I, I just thought of it. Um, is it different in every county about the the spread between antlers, or is that a statewide? No, there's that's typically in the eastern counties of the state where they have the uh, the the, uh, the the minimum the restrictions on the, the minimum 13 inch. Uh, spread on the deer so uh, and that's they've been doing that for several years and I think one of the reasons the biologists did that was they were trying to actually increase uh, the herd as far as you know they they I guess saw in in many of those counties where the populations were getting a little low because people were just shooting too shooting many everything bucks. yeah yeah so but it's still probably good to double check and look and see if you're in that county that has that yes. restriction. Yes, and and of course, you know, uh, there will be some counties like Medina County that that are in the CWD area, uh, sort of the chronic waste and disease, and and where you have to report and actually go to a station and have the biologists. Um, I think they do that in Hondo is one of the places they do that where you have to go to the to the biologist and they have to. You know, take a sample of that animal and and test it for chronic waste and disease. Yeah, that's good to know. And all of that you can find on the website as well. Good. So this is our last segment, and uh, because Marquardt Law Firm sponsors our show and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on last wills, living trusts, and estate planning, we always ask our guests about – a legacy that they've learned from an older generation or a legacy that they hope uh, somebody down the line will learn from them. What would you say your legacy, you want your legacy to be? I would say just, you know, how you treat people and, and, and especially in this day and time with, with, with all the different things going on, the political stuff, um, just, you know, how you treat people and, and being fair. I think is a is a big issue with me. You know, we we all grew up and even not only as kids but as adults we've made mistakes and we'll always make mistakes but it's always nice to to have somebody that deals with you that that understands that and and 
and is fair to you uh, and respectful to you, and uh, that usually goes a long way, especially with the game wardens. We understand that people are going to make mistakes and, and they're going to do something wrong, and a lot of times they do that and they don't know that they made a mistake. And so, you know, that's why I really love, um, you know, having the discretion that I have as a game warden because, you know, just because we have a law and, and this is what happens if you break this law, you know, I don't always have to follow that word for word. I can always have some discretion. And, and if it's allowable in the situation, try Figure to Figure out it. if yeah. they did it on purpose sure. or if it was just a mistake. Sure. So the legacy would be just, you know, uh, just knowing that I try to treat everybody the same and uh, just, you know, at the end of the day, I want people to say that I was very fair with them. Fair and respectful. Yeah. I think that's a struggle that a lot of people have to face when dealing with planning what kind of legacy you want to leave because what we believe that we've done to cement this as our legacy, this is how I want to be remembered and this is what I did to be remembered for it, but... A lot of the times, people aren't going to remember what you said, but how you made them feel. Sure. And, and with that, too, you know, we have thousands and thousands of landowners. And, you know, and I tell people, whether you have five acres or you have 500,000 acres, I'm going to treat you the same way. And I'm going to investigate the problem the same way. And, and we're going to handle it, you know, the same way. One, one person or one property doesn't get preferential treatment over the other. I I treat it all the same. And some people's legacy might be the the trophies uh, that they've uh, they've captured uh, over their lifetime, and and for other people, it might be their favorite pair of boots, or it might be a, a firearm that's been in the family. Um, but that brings me to talking about uh, firearms that are more uh, heavily regulated than others. So uh, you want to be sure that uh, your executor, your trustee, has uh, permission to even possess a firearm. Uh, Firearms are uh, the one type of asset that you're allowed to have as long as you're allowed to have them. Um, But you don't want your executor to unknowingly break the law by uh, having a criminal conviction or by having a domestic violence charge or being a user of illegal narcotics, or even if they unwittingly um, transfer uh, a firearm from an estate uh, to somebody with uh, one of those problems. Those are problems that people normally keep secret, and so you you have to ask them, are you allowed to possess a firearm? So just to establish, just like how a hunting license doesn't cover everybody in a multiple-person hunting group, hunting license aren't inheritable, right? Right. <laughs> no, you have, everyone has to have their own. Well, thank you for sticking through with our episode. We'll be back again here on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Also, find us on Facebook and send us your recommendations. We'll talk to you again.